Ah, yes. It's another episode of MLB Morning Coffee. A happy Wednesday to you and yours. We were planning to do a top 10 list. We were also planning to do a what would have been, which we're going to get into a little bit later on in the week. But there was some news that came down yesterday. As you're listening to this first thing Wednesday morning, the finality of the news is not yet been determined. Basically, what we talked about with minor league baseball on Friday, sadly is coming to a head today as major league baseball and minor league baseball are supposed to have a conference call today about the future of the 42 minor league teams that were initially put on MLB's contraction list back in October. JJ Cooper of baseball America leaked the information in an article that came out on Tuesday. And to join me to talk about that article He was the director of operations for the Clinton Lumber Kings from 2015 until March of 2020. He is my good friend, the biggest Cardinals fan I've ever known, and somebody that knows minor league baseball inside and out. Joining us from Minneapolis, Minnesota, it is Tyler Omen. What's good, Tyler? Oh, you know, just uh, enjoying the Great White North now that it's finally warming up up here. Has the snow melted for the most part? It's gone. It's good. We got some snow last week, but... It's uh, it's all gone. It's up into the 60s tomorrow, so it's be close to 70, and we can't go anywhere. Yep, because of coronavirus, and it's keeping all of us indoors for the most part. But, hey, as long as you're staying safe, that's all that matters here. So I wake up yesterday morning to this article from J.J. Cooper, and I think it was Zach James, our good buddy that works in Sioux City, is it Sioux Falls or Sioux City where he works? I can't remember. He, he works in Sioux City, Iowa. Sioux Falls is in South Dakota. That's what I wanted to clarify, although they're not that far away from each other. Our good friend, Zach James, who works in Sioux City, Iowa, sends us the article from J.J. Cooper that basically says that minor league baseball has given in to MLB and will be willing to sacrifice the 42 teams that were initially put on J.J. Cooper's contraction list back in the initial article that he wrote at the end of October. What was your initial reaction when you read that article? Because I know for me, it was basically J.J. Cooper is one of the most well-respected baseball writers out there, and he doesn't publish this unless there is absolute truth to it. Um, my, my gut reaction was, honestly, well, of course, because this is par for the course of everything going on with the virus because it's, it's, it's quite obvious that it's 100% virus caused, right? Because like you mentioned the other day, uh, minor league teams rely on actually having people come into the park and buy tickets and get concessions, food, and buy their merchandise where Major League Baseball can kind of survive um, more or less on TV deals and they're streaming. They're getting streamed double OTP games and MLB the show games. And they're making money on that stuff where minor league baseball really isn't able to do that. So these teams are really relying on the fact that they're going to be able to play baseball this year and next year and the year after that. And so if they're not going to be making as much money this year, some of those teams who aren't in trouble are not, are not really as willing to bend over backwards for the teams that are. And so it's it's one of those, like you said, JJ tends to have good information. Uh, you, 
I'm not, I don't think he lies. I don't think he's, this is wrong. I don't think that he's over here saying that, uh, making stuff up or fabricating anything. But my only hope for minor league baseball's sake is that he just received bad information. I know that when all of this news initially came out and the Clinton Lumber Kings, along with my former team, the Idaho Falls Chuckers on the list, our GMs were coming out with public denials. I know that Ted Torno, our former boss, had said to the Quad City Times and the Clinton Herald that they're going to fight as hard as they can to make sure that baseball is saved. And it seemed for a while that most of minor league baseball was united in this front. But what it basically came down to for me when I read that article is that these teams are willing to sacrifice the others to save themselves, which I felt like was so antithetical to everything that we had believed about the save minor league baseball or the save 42 movement over the past few months. Yeah. um, I, I kinda, I was thinking about this earlier today and it's one of those old sayings of, you know, would you steal bread to save to feed your family or, you know, so if you're one of those teams, who's whether they're triple a double a or whatever, you know, you're safe quote unquote, uh, from this, uh, MLB contraction list, but all of a sudden you're not making any money now. Granted, it's still only April. Uh, you probably weren't making a ton of money to begin with in April, but all of a sudden you're looking forward and saying, Hey, we might not get games before the 4th of July, which is a huge moneymaker for a good chunk of minor league baseball, especially the Lumber Kings who we were with. But uh, if you're looking, if you're one of those bigger clubs who aren't theoretically in trouble for the list and you're looking down and saying, Hey, we're not making money. And, you know, would you go back on a deal to keep yourself afloat and, Maybe, you know, that's kind of how I looked at it. Just kind of the stealing stealing bread to feed your family when you're poor. Uh, It almost feels something like that. Uh, I don't know. I I can't, I don't want to speculate that this is what's going on. It sure seems that way based on the report from JJ. Uh, Now, when MILB had to respond and basically said that this is largely false, it's one of those is it, or are you saving face? You know, I don't know. And it's, it's kind of weird when you, you know, when you know everyone involved, but it's, uh, uh, you want the best for baseball. And, and as, as so often discussed, it doesn't make sense that you would shrink baseball to expand the sport to more people. And it's not like these teams seemingly have any choice. And for months, at least in Eastern Iowa, it was the teams all along the Mississippi the Lumber Kings, the Quad Cities River Bandits, and the Burlington Bees. Now, Quad Cities has been swapped out for Beloit because of these stadium issues that Beloit is going to face. So Eastern Iowa, it looks like, is going to end up keeping one of their affiliated teams along with the Cedar Rapids Colonels, who were not on the list to begin with. But there was an article that came out with our good friend Jeff Johnson of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, and their GM, Doug Nelson, basically said that There's no certainty on future in Cedar Rapids. And I keep looking at this and I keep thinking about what baseball means to everybody there. And the sad part about all of this is that whereas before it seemed like all the GMs, you know, Ted Torno and Kim Parker of the Lumber Kings and the Bees 
were going to be able to fight this tooth and nail and be able to have, you know, their seat at the table. Now it effectively seems like they're being given their marching orders and they have absolutely no choice in the matter. It certainly seems that way. Um, it, it, it kind of was a really off-putting afternoon yesterday when we were, we were, that all this stuff was coming out. Um, and you're starting to think of everyone that this is going to affect. I mean, you, you know, we kind of already did that once, but it almost felt like this report had more finality to it, whether it should or shouldn't. That I guess that's to be seen, but it really seemed that way. And you know, you're you're kind of sitting there thinking, you know, this could affect so many people that I know, and and I don't. I feel like I know next to no one percentage wise and across minor league baseball. And there's 42 teams on the list. I, I there's so many people I know that were on Twitter just basically saying, you know, I guess it's time I have to go ahead and update that resume. Um, basically planning on losing their jobs because Major League Baseball needs to save a couple bucks. Um, and it, it just, it's frustrating because you could say the same things over and over until you're blue in the face, but it just seems like they've Major League Baseball's got this agenda and they're coming in with this negotiation. They're coming into the negotiations with Minor League Baseball and Major League Baseball has the big stack of money. Um, <laughs> Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, nobody saw the pandemic coming, uh, but it certainly seems to be working in Major League Baseball's favor. And like you said, with Ted and, and Kim and Jeff up in Beloit, and it, what are they supposed to do at this point? You know, it's uh, business as usual because you can't do anything else but business as usual, but but really what's, what's the game plan? It's April um, now. And who knows if there's even going to be a season. Um, it's, it's a crazy thought that we may have already seen a final game for any of these teams. Um, and it'd be really sad if, I mean, it'll be sad if any of these teams go away, period. It'll be even worse if none, no one even gets a final season. The thing that really bothers me is that people make assumptions about the facilities and about the towns. And I had read that, and I didn't actually know this, that you guys redid the visitors clubhouse in Clinton and other teams are putting in tons of renovations in their ballparks. And like working in the pioneer league for two years, I can tell you that the Ogden Raptors, the Idaho falls, Chuckers, the Billings Mustangs, the Orem Owls, the Missoula Paddleheads, as they're called now, I still can't believe that I'm calling them that, but they had great facilities. Like their facilities were on par with some really good college facilities. When I stepped into Billings Ballpark, I felt like I was in a AAA grade ballpark that was maybe about half the size of a AAA ballpark. The assumptions that people are making about the facilities. I feel is really unfair, which makes it kind of think that MLB is using the facilities argument as a justification to the people that don't know, but there's really that ulterior motive of trying to pay less players and just trying to convince the public that there are certain things that are wrong with these facilities because travel is another thing like Tyler. If let's just go back to the original plan that Beloit was going to be able to stay alive and Quad Cities was out. It takes 45 minutes to get from Clinton to Quad Cities. It takes 
two hours and about 10 to get from Clinton to Burlington. And it takes about an hour and a half to get from Quad Cities to Burlington. You're going to eliminate three teams that can all be within a two-hour drive of each other? To me, the travel argument just seems null and void. You pretty much hit the nail on the head. Um, The travel argument is, at least in the Midwest League, um, not it, it it's not relevant. Um, and, and in fact, if it's that big of a concern, um, it will actually make their travel worse, especially with the initial plan, like you kind of talked about. Uh, if you take away uh, Clinton, Quad Cities, and Burlington, uh, the Cedar Rapids Colonel's closest trip is now about four hours. Um, that's the closest trip. That's, you know, like. <laughs> That's approaching in on Bowling Green Hot Rod travel territory. Um, they've got <laughs> that would just dramatically increase their travel time. Um, now I can't speak as much with for the other leagues. I know the Pioneer League travels a little bit uh, more difficult. I know um, the uh, Sally League is a little bit different. Every league is a little bit different. But for the Midwest League, the travel argument was is a joke. Um, the as far as the facilities, I know we the Clinton has. Uh, we were working on doing some upgrades in the visiting clubhouse, um, and frankly, that most of that stuff had been kind of on the radar for a long time. I, I, of everything in the stadium, um, the we knew the visiting clubhouse was probably our weakest spot, and it was on an area for upgrades for a while, um, and then. Unfortunately, as you know, we were dealing with a lot of flooding issues um, due to uh, basically the city of Clinton storm drains not being able to keep up with the amount of rain we were getting. Um, that is supposed to be eradicated. The city has put in a million dollar pump station and that's supposed to pretty much take care of our flooding issues. So like, OK, great, let's go. Um and part of the other thing is that a lot, I think a lot of teams were kind of looking at holding off on maybe some upgrades because they know they were, you know, maybe 2018, 2019, they were saying, hey, in a couple of years, we're going to have our new agreement with Major League Baseball. We don't want to do anything right now. We're going to wait until these new standards come down. You know, we don't want to renovate a clubhouse without a kitchen and then make it, it's apparently mandatory now that we have to have a kitchen. So I think a lot of teams were waiting to see what the new standards were, and now they're being told, your facilities aren't good enough, we just don't want you. Well, you know, give us a chance to become good enough. Give, you know, give, give teams a, a chance to, say, to, to prove we are good enough. Um, if, if it means building a building, most teams will find a way to do it. Um, that's one of the biggest frustrating things from what I've talked to in people across minor league baseball is that they're not give, being given a chance. Uh, if, if there's a problem with field quality, which I haven't read anything about that, um, that I can remember, then teams will get that addressed. I know they will. I, they, they've told me, you know, we, if it's a brick and mortar issue, if it's something physical that we can do, we will find a way to do it and to to, to just be told you're not you're substandard so we're not going to come back and not even have the chance to reach the new standard is 
incredibly, incredibly frustrating. We're here with Tyler Ullman, the now former director of operations with the Clinton Lumber Kings of the Midwest League, one of the teams on MLB's 42-team contraction list. And to go off the point you were just making, Tyler, Major League Baseball's teams, the parent clubs of these affiliates, almost never contribute anything to the ballpark improvements. All that money is either coming from ownership, if you're owned by a conglomerate, or in the case of the Lumber Kings, a community-owned team, they're coming from grants from foundations such as the Friends of Riverview Stadium or the city. So to me, it's really a double standard when Major League Baseball is saying, well, your facilities aren't good enough, yet they're expecting you to put in that improvement when in reality it's them that should be forking over the bill for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I admit I see it both ways. Um, the, the, what I think there was one comment uh, back in the fall when they were asking Commissioner Manfred about the proposed plan, and one of the quotes that he had said was that we don't want to continue sending our players to substand uh, to um, below standard facilities that we are eff- effectively subsidizing. And one of the comments from a baseball writer, and I and I wish I remembered their name, is like, well, why don't you subs, you know, take those subsidies and make them uh, above standard? You know, if you're pay- if you're spending so much on these places, why don't you just make them to the standards you want? You have enough money. It's a ten point six, ten point seven billion dollar, you know, revenue industry. Um, but here's the thing, you know, Major League Baseball, like you said, doesn't pay money to the affiliates. The, the only money they pay to them is in a form uh, in, of reimbursements. You know, a lot of times the minor league club will provide cash to for meal money and, and travel money and stuff for the team to use. And then the minor league team submits it to the affiliate and the major league team pays them back. That's pretty much the only instance I can see on a routine basis that a major league team pays to a minor league team. Um, that being said, it, it's the the they treat their players as that subsidy. You know, it's it's funny because you you they want they talk about trying to market their their players in Major League Baseball more and bring their faces out there and show the human side of the game so they're more relatable. And then they go off and call their minor league players a subsidy. They're you know they're treating them like a number, and it's. <laughs> It, it's kind of hypocritical. No, it's incredibly hypocritical. But, you know, it's, at what point are we going to stop being surprised? Why do you feel like, and granted, I'm asking you this opinion because you've been in these talks, you've been in the conversations that have been had at the league level or in your own front office. Why does it seem like MLB is in such a rush to do this now as opposed to letting the rest of the season play out and giving these teams a fighting chance to have a season and be able to get that one last bit of revenue. If there is a season, why does it seem like they're in such a rush to, to put this all to bed right now? Well, I think they're keeping, this is more of an educated guess than anything, but I think they were planning on keeping the, Normal negotiation schedule. Uh, obviously, this was the final year of that deal. Um, I think the plan was to keep the normal 
negotiation schedule, so they were still supposed to meet tomorrow, whether there was a pandemic or not. So they're probably meeting via Zoom or or whatever their plan is. I don't know. Um, the report that came out basically said that minor league baseball was basically going to accept their proposal and say, okay, uncle, you know, you win. We, we can't afford this right now because of the coronavirus. Um, I, part of me thinks that it could be a strong arm move. Major League Baseball leaked that out to J.J. Cooper in order to get some of the bigger affiliates to kind of turn on the smaller ones who are on the cut list. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, Major League Baseball, like I said earlier, has they're coming at this with the big stack of money. Uh, they are coming at at this with a reckless abandon. You know, they they don't really care who they stomp on, uh, what they burn to the ground. They're they are uh, they are kind of ruthless. I would say mega ruthless because there are a lot of teams. If you look at attendance numbers, I mean, the Idaho Falls Chuckers averaged almost 3,000 fans a game last year. And that's better than, and I'm not going to give you an exact number because I don't have it, that's better than a lot of full-season teams average that are guaranteed to stay alive. And I look at it from the perspective of a lot of these teams that are getting eliminated, especially at the short-season level, are successful financially in their own realm. And... What I don't understand is why Major League Baseball effectively feels like they need to get rid of a whole level. Because the whole purpose of this is that they are getting rid of rookie, advanced, and short season. Two levels that classify as short season, having the only short season teams being their own complex leagues. And a lot of full season teams are ending up as the casualties of this as they move to turn some short season facilities into full-season facilities, mainly the Northwest League and parts of the New York Penn League. So, to me, I think that Major League Baseball has this agenda of eliminating a level and not really taking into consideration what it does for the areas that are impacted by that. Because unlike, you know, the Midwest League, where it's a couple of teams that are going to end up being affected, the Pioneer League, the Appalachian League, the, those two in particular are going to get completely wiped out. Yeah. I mean, especially the Appy League, like you just said, because, uh, what, 80% of the league is owned by the MLB team. Um, that, that league is, is pretty much dead no matter what, uh, no matter how you look at it. That It sucks. It, it, it's really a shame, but it, it's it seems to be like that one is just a goner. Um, the The thing that really kills me, is that, again, like I said, you know, attempting baseball, trying to, to grow the game, um, they're eliminating professional opportunities for players to play baseball. Um, they're drastically re- reducing the number of slots there are for some kid to get drafted or sign wherever to play professional baseball. Um over time, the less spots there are, even if it's a pioneer league spot, like you just said, that's that that is a precious pro baseball opportunity for a, a person who may remember that for the rest of their life. Um, 
if even if that's they play one season, they play for Idaho Falls with you, and that's it. They, that that could be the experience you, you have them hooked as a baseball person. Um, the fewer opportunities there are, the fewer people over time are going to play baseball. And the fewer people that play baseball over time, the fewer people that are, are going to pay attention to baseball. And those kids who are still athletes, I mean, the number of athletes is never going to reduce. Um, those kids are going to go out. They're going to play other sports. Um, they're going to play basketball. They're going to play football. They're going to play soccer or, or hockey or whatever. But the fewer opportunities out there for them to play, eventually, over time, athletes are going to find a way to play a sport. And if baseball doesn't have the open arms for the best athletes in the country or the world for that matter, then the best, best athletes in the world are going to play the sports. The opportunities are there for. And that's a good point because I know that you're one of the biggest baseball fans around and that you care more about baseball than you do about any other sport. You know, you're a hockey fan too. You're a big St. Louis blues fan. But having known you as long as I've known you, you don't care about the NFL and you don't care about the NBA. And the thing to me is that baseball fans like yourself and many others like you hold baseball in the highest regard. But baseball doesn't have a problem with fans like you. Baseball has a problem with people that would rather watch the NFL and the NBA instead of Major League Baseball. And what you're doing here is you're giving people less of an incentive to be baseball fans and more of an incentive to be fans of something else. Exactly. Um, I mean, I, I said earlier today, I don't remember who I said it to. I don't, I could have just been sitting here in my living room, just saying it to myself in anger. But I, I, I said that I wish I wasn't a baseball fan. I, you know, I wish I didn't care as much because uh, right now I'm angry enough that I could, I could just, I would just walk away, but I can't. You know, they, in some way, shape, or form, MLB has me hooked because it, it's just who I am. You know, I, I'm here, be, you know, good, bad, or ugly, and I wish I had the fortitude to just walk away from it because I'd rather right now just not have to watch MLB and give them views and money. Um, I really don't think they deserve it. Um, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Like you said, I'm such a baseball guy. Um, I uh, I used to have this undying hatred for the NHL commissioner Gary Bettman, but to him right or to me right now he looks like a saint, <laughs> and uh, I uh, I just can't uh, get over the fact that they just they seemingly don't care about the future of the game. They're looking at I mean, baseball has been taken over. Uh, I'm. I'm editorializing a little bit here, but baseball has been taken over by hedge fund managers, right? Everything's dollars and cents. Everything is one-tenth of a, a win this, one-tenth of a, a win this. And I, I'm a big a proponent of sabermetric and advanced stats. It works. Um, but the whole win at all costs for the minimal amount of money spent is like the just the over efficiency, um, basically created not I don't know if it was created but pioneered 
um, in large part by the Astros under Jeff Luno, um, has pretty much, in my opinion, made baseball worse. Um, not in necessarily the gameplay, um, but in its going forward, I don't know what we're going to be looking at in 20 years because everything's down to such a science for for a lot of those people that over time, like I said, the fewer opportunities that are going to be out there for people at the lowest rung of professional baseball, um, the, the less chances people are going to get hooked. Yeah, you're always going to have your stars. We're always going to have all-stars. We're going to have you know, records being broken um, until eventually one day, however long, baseball is no more. But we're, until that point, we're always going to have players. We're, they're, they're always going to be there. It's just we're, there's enough people in the United States alone to feed Major League Baseball. But over time, those numbers are going to reduce and the best of the best athletes are going to, like I said, go elsewhere. And it, it, I, I just wish that I could walk away from it because that's what I really want to do. I just know that I can't because I, I just love the sport too much and I hate the way it's going right now because it's just going to hurt over the long period of time because I feel like the owners of the teams in Major League Baseball are failing to see long-term goals and long-term profits in favor of short-term profits. So in the J.J. Cooper article, it said that Major League Baseball wants to keep a tie to baseball in all of the cities that it is pulling Major League affiliations out of. Now, you and I were discussing, along with our friend Zach James, about a couple of possibilities. One possibility is the independent route, which MLB had initially proposed this dream league of undrafted players that effectively functions like its own independent league, or teams trying to go the collegiate amateur route. Now, there's a league that's based in Wyoming and South Dakota, along with a couple other states in the Plains, called the Expedition League. And the Expedition League is a relatively new collegiate league. And talking with an unnamed front office member of that league today, the owner of that league wants to expand that league to 30 teams, which means they could effectively take the entire Pioneer League and geographically turn it into a collegiate summer league. Now, the Clinton Lumber Kings, the Burlington Bees, and the Beloit Snappers are not as fortunate because... As you had pointed out, or I think Zach had pointed out, the Northwoods League, which is the most geographically sensical collegiate summer league, not only already has, I think, 28 teams, but they require a million-dollar expansion fee, which none of these teams have the capital to do, which means independent league baseball, if they can pull it off. Now, the Frontier League, which has teams in and around St. Louis, throughout central Illinois, in Michigan, and parts of western Pennsylvania had to merge with the Can-Am League because of finances. The American Association, also geographically in the same er area, has to postpone their season until mid-July because of concerns over COVID-19. I have worked in independent league baseball. The costs of running an indie league team are far greater than the benefits, literally and figuratively, because one thing that an affiliated team doesn't have to do, they don't have to pay the players, 
You have to do that in Indie Ball. They don't have to pay for meals. You have to do that in Indie Ball, both home team and road team. If you're the home team, you have to pay for a meal for every player after a game. You have to pay for your own hotel rooms because major league teams are reimbursing the minor league teams for the hotel rooms of players on the road, so on and so forth. Player salaries, complete, like everything has to be fronted by the team. And I ask you a two-part question, just knowing the market, can these Midwest league teams survive as independent leagues based on a, the willingness of fans to come watch independent baseball and b the ability of these organizations to go to a different cost measure that they haven't had to deal with before. Like it takes a lot of effort to be able to finance an independent league team. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> it's, I, I don't see the independent route working um, specifically for the Midwest league teams uh, because I know those the most. Um, I don't know much about what you were saying with the, um, Expedition League. Um, I, I do know you mentioned something about the hotel rooms. The minor league teams already, they, they pay for those hotel rooms themselves. The major league teams don't pay for the hotel rooms. Um, oh, I didn't realize that. See, I always thought that that was a reimbursement. That... Well, it's it's a little bit of both. So the, the way it works as of right now and all the way through 2020, should they play, um, is that the minor league team plays for at least like – like um, I know the Midwest League. I know Single A. The um, that's where I spent my time. Um, the Lumber Kings, for example, are required to provide seventeen hotel rooms. If um, if the team needs more than that, the major league club will pay for rooms eighteen, nineteen, twenty, however many they end up needing. But the minimum seventeen rooms is provided by the minor league cr- club, um, at least for the Single A level. I don't know the whole breakdown for all minor league baseball. Um, so right now they're already eating that cost. Um, I, I don't know how much I know that I don't, I couldn't give you a number. I don't have a number, but I know they could not accrue much in terms of salary. Um, it, it major league baseball kind of needs, in my opinion, uh, like I kind of alluded to earlier, needs to look at the partnership with minor league baseball you're sending them players to basically advertise your product over the long haul. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think the independent ball would, option would work. Um, and at some point with the college wood bat leagues, uh, there's already a lot of, of college wood bat teams available across the country. Um, I don't know at what point it gets too watered down. Um, I don't know if that bubble bursts in a way. Um, like you said, I, I, the the Northwoods League has 28 teams. Uh, is that right? Um, and if the Expedition League wants to go to 30, um, I don't know what the Alaskan League is at. Um, what about the uh, Cape League and all those out there? I mean, there's so many college woodbat leagues that it's – what where, where does it kind of stop? I mean, it is that even – a product where players go to play anymore just because there's so many opportunities. I I don't know. Well, so the Cape league is different than a lot of the other leagues. I know that you always gave me the business for talking about the Cape league, but the Cape league. Well, it's because you talked about it every day, not every day, but a lot of days. Oh, sorry. Twice a day. Fair enough. (laughs) But, 
the Cape League is a 10-team league, and they are one of the few teams or one of the, one of the few leagues that runs as a not-for-profit league. The Cape League is simply there for the communal aspect of it. It's really one of the only collegiate summer leagues that doesn't have overnight travel because all 10 teams are within an hour and a half drive of each other. So the Cape League is known for having the elite talent, but there's almost zero costs that Cape League teams have to accrue um, because they also don't charge people to come into the stands. It's really more of a communal atmosphere. The Northwoods League, however, is all for profit, and they're charging tickets. They have more games. They have long bus rides, hotel rooms, what have you. Uh, They're making money because they don't have to pay the players because of amateurism. So, but like you said, at what point is it even competitive anymore? Well, I think that you talk about college baseball and really the domino effect of how no college football and a lack of revenue for athletic departments is going to end up having schools cut their baseball programs, which could make the pool of players smaller and smaller. And like you said, less people are going to be able to play baseball because there are less opportunities available. Like I saw a school. um, I don't know exactly where they are. I think it was a D three school. A bunch of players are putting out these recruiting videos because their school is shutting down permanently. And like, think about that. You've got freshmen that have nowhere to go. So basically like domino affecting it back. Like, yeah, Woodbat leagues are going to be very difficult to continue to expand upon because let's just face it. If you're a community like Clinton, Iowa, which has had professional baseball since 1937 and has been a Midwest league charter member since the league was founded or Burlington, who's also had pro baseball for over 50 years, affiliated pro baseball. Do fans really want to see a product that is less than that. And I'll give you this example. The independent league that I worked in always advertised themselves as having the type of baseball that's comparable to high A. And I'll say this after one year in the league, I can tell you that was not high A baseball. When I went to the pioneer league, which was short season affiliated baseball, the baseball there was 10 times as good as I found in the indie leagues. Yeah. Um, that That's a, a great point. You mentioned about, if colleges are losing money, uh, the baseball program could get axed among other sports for that matter, but a baseball team could be one of them. Um, and again, like I said, uh, the less opportunities for people to play baseball, they're going to end up playing other sports. So, um, but yeah, it, the quality of play is certainly not the same as what it is in affiliated baseball. Um, I mean, sure, there's some indie leagues like the Atlantic League and stuff that are, are pretty high quality. You see some former major leaguers going there to revive their career. Um, but that's not the norm. That's the exception, you know. So it's hard to, to kind of put into words because you don't know what it's going to look like, but you know it's it's certainly not going to be good. Um, it's, it's just – it's. I think the word of the day right now is frustrating. I've probably said that 50 times already, but it's just so frustrating knowing that Major League Baseball has the money and the means to make this work, but they're choosing not to. So they're shuttering out, you know, the Pioneer League and all the 
baseball fans around that area. And they're basically saying, we don't care. We don't want to spend money here, you know, because the travel sucks, right? Let's say they're, they're using the travel sucks as the pioneer league. Um, okay. Well, you major league baseball have more than enough money to make this a better travel league. You know, the major league baseball could just create two pioneer league teams in the middle of everything and pay for that and immediately open up the travel options. That would be, make it so much easier for the pioneer league and they could pay for it. And it'd hardly be a drop in the bucket for how much money they actually make. Um, 10.6 or $7 billion is so much money. It's an absurd amount of money and, and they can make all of these changes with like 0.01%. And I don't want to end up sounding too political or anything like that, but the, you know, they have so much money that they don't share the wealth to help their own product. And over time, like I said, again and again, it's, it's going to water them down, whether it's 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, it's, it's going to hurt. I don't think that I envisioned the Idaho Falls championship last year as being the last game in the history of the Pioneer League. I'm sure that you didn't think that the Lumber Kings game three finals loss to the South Bend Cubs was potentially going to be the final game in the history of that franchise. But I just got to ask you, like, given that you're not working in minor league baseball anymore, but you spent five full seasons, six if you count your intern year in 2014. What is going to be your greatest lasting memory of your time working in minor league baseball? Because I knew you put in the hours. You did literally everything that was asked of you. And what does it make you feel like now knowing that all of the work that you put in and and the smiles that you put on fans' faces – there's nothing you can do to to relive that. And I know that I may have just been painting the ultimate doom and gloom, grim picture, but I mean, to, to anybody. And I talked with a lot of people today, people that I've worked with, people that have worked with other people for these teams. And, and the, the feeling is, well, there's nothing left of what I've done. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, I've thought about it a little bit about, you know, being able to just kind of look back at it um, and in the future, you know, being able to just take a visit to Clinton and be like, Hey, you know, I was here for five, six years. It's just, you know, this is a great point in my life. Um, I was able to, I think I was able to help the club out over time and to go back and check it out is something I would certainly not get the opportunity to do. Um, it, I, 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 you asked for a lasting memory. I certainly have plenty. Um, the one I pretty much answer every time I get asked, you know, what your favorite memory was. Um, cause it's just so distinct in my head. And you were, you were actually here for this was our, uh, our marathon day, uh, back in 2016, where we had the 18 inning game that was just game one of the double header. Um, that was such a unique circumstance. And uh, in terms of my baseball fandom, uh, unique and obscure things are some of my 
favorite things in the sport. And uh, to, we ended up doing uh, 25 innings and I was the one having to go out there and talk to the managers and the umpires and basically being like, okay, we need to turn around game two as fast as possible because their league has a curfew. And if we don't meet the curfew, then we're going to have to come back and double up tomorrow after have playing all these innings today. So it was just, it was such a crazy circumstance. And I always think about that one whenever I, when I get almost whenever a game gets to the 11th inning anymore, because that's as far as they go with the extra inning rules now as they are in minor league baseball. Um, it, it, it's incredibly disappointing, though, that should things go the way the Cooper article suggests that fans and employees alike will not have an opportunity to create more memories going forward. Tyler Oman, I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. I know that this is going to come out. We're recording this very late Tuesday night. This is going to come out Wednesday morning, and we may have a finality of a decision. We may not. But in any event, we have officially reached the crossroads that I think none of us that have ever worked around minor league baseball ever hoped that we would reach. But the sadness of it all is, is that this reality that we all thought was a distant, no, this can't be true, ideal, has finally reached our doorstep. Yeah, you know, I I think one of my first reactions when I actually, um, (coughs) excuse me, had time to think about it back in uh, October when this kind of all came out was that this was kind of MLB strong-arming a negotiation where they could say, hey, we want to cut 42 teams. And then they would be like, that would be the thing they drop. You know, they'd say, we want all this and we want to get rid of 42 of you. Um, And then, okay, in the end, maybe they'd cut 10 or 20. Not that that's good. Um, We thought they were going to come in and basically say, we'll ask for this and hope to get this. Um, It doesn't look like that's the case. It looks like they were just coming in and saying, this is what we want and we're going to get it because we have the big stack of money. Um, that's, that's how I have to kind of think of it right now. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just, I, I only have so many words and it's, it's just, I, I can't think of it. I'm almost all out of words. Well, as you're out of words, we thank you for joining us. Tyler Oman, everybody. This has been another edition of MLB morning coffee, a production of the ocean Avenue studios in San Francisco, California. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. And as always, we will catch you in the AM.